Let's take our Bibles tonight, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, we'll read just a few verses, beginning in verse 8. And we'll read down through verse 12. Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. All right, once you found your place, if you would stand for the reading of God's word, we'll have prayer and begin right there in verse 8. All right, let's pray together. Father, again, we come tonight, Lord, just thanking you for your goodness to us, for your precious word. And as we enter this time of our service, Lord, we certainly want to ask you to be our teacher and guide through the scriptures, Lord, that Holy Spirit, that you'll speak to our hearts in a personal way. And Lord, you'll show us what you'd have us do as we learn and read the scriptures tonight. We pray you'd impress upon our hearts, guide us, Lord, by your will and your spirit. And Lord, show us what, how we might please you, applying what we learn in the days ahead. And we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Verse 8, Romans chapter 1. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end, you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. This is a great passage of Scripture. I notice there are some ingredients here, and I want to preach a message that I've entitled, Keys to Effective Christian Service. Keys to Effective Christian Service. Thank you. You may be seated. When Paul writes back to these churches, these places where he had been, these that he has led to Christ in a personal faith, he rejoices, he instructs, he counsels, advises, sometimes admonishes with his words. But as Paul writes back, He also includes things that they need to hear, things that would help them along the way. When we look in this passage of Scripture tonight, we we see and know that Paul was one of the most zealous servants of the Lord in the New Testament era. And we we can't help but, but glean a few ingredients tonight out of these words that would help us too be effective serving the Lord. Things that if we served without, we would certainly be lacking. Our ministry would show the results of that. And I want to share those with you tonight. Look at verse 8, if you would. We'll call the first key right here in verse 8. Notice what Paul says. First, he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Notice he's thanking God. We call this praise. The first ingredient is something that all of us should carry in our hearts and express verbally from time to time uh, to show our appreciation for what God has done and is doing in our lives. Paul says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. Notice he says, for you all. He's thinking about these uh, believers that have come to Christ through his ministry, through his outreach, maybe through his own witness. And uh, what a joy that is. You know, John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. 
And that's the same thing is true for your spiritual children, those you lead to Christ. What a joy it is to know that they're going to church, that they're serving God, that they're growing in their faith and uh, reaching others for the cause of Christ. This is the kind of gratitude that Paul had in his heart, but he didn't conceal it there. He shared it. You know, if you read the Psalms, you'll find that praise is a big deal with God. The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. And if you want to get God's attention, one of the quickest ways to do that is to start praising him. Paul is certainly doing that here. He is extending praises for what God has done. He is praising uh, what God has done in different places, specifically here to the Romans. But he's also uh, personalizing this, praising God for you all, he said. These people, the recipients of what we see as the letter to the Romans. So they're receiving this letter also with receiving that praise. Paul is praising God. And you know, that's a powerful element uh, in our Christian service, praising the Lord. When we praise God, it not only pleases God, but I want you to know tonight, it affects others. People notice when you're, when you're a person who gives praise. People notice when, you're, when you have something to give praise for. When you're a happy person that's happy about what's happening. And you're thanking God for the things that, uh, that you're praising him about. Maybe it's answered prayer. Maybe it's uh, victories in your own life. Uh, maybe it's the fact that you've been able to lead others to Christ. Or maybe it's victories in their life. Whatever the case might be, you get people's attention when you start praising God for specific things. Paul's doing that here. It's a powerful element in his ministry, in his letter, and in his personal life. You know, you and I need to incorporate this into our lives. We need to make sure that we're stopping from time to time to praise God for what he does through us. We pray and we ask God to use us as we serve him. We ask God to bless our witness to our neighbors and friends. We ask God to, to bless our ministry efforts. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Whatever that might be. But then do we praise him when he does it? Do we praise him when he answers those prayers? Oh, listen, we should. And notice that when we do, people take notice. The praises of God are powerful. And they're a powerful testimony to what God is doing in your life. And by the way... <clears throat> praising God and having specific things to praise Him for, you know what it does? It proves that you're presently connected to the Lord and that He's at work in your life. This was certainly true in the life of Paul. <clears throat> and this is the reason why he's able to write back and say these great things to the Romans. Praise. Praise is a critical element. It's one that we all need to practice more. You know, there are a lot of things maybe that we can't do because of <clears throat> different circumstances or reasons. But there's no reason why we can't praise God for the good things that he does in us, through us, and around us. So let us incorporate this element of praise into our life so that we too can make a difference as we serve the Lord. If you desire to make a difference in your life, if you desire to make a difference serving the Lord, then it's essential that we make sure that we praise him for what he does. But not only praise, in verse 9, we see number 2, the next ingredient of Paul's Christian service. 
He says, for God is my witness, whom I serve, notice this expression, with my spirit in the gospel of his son. All right, so I noticed that that word, I, I put the word passion next to that. He, Paul worded it this way. He said, God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit. What was he saying? He's saying, I'm serving God with my spirit. Some people say, put your heart into it. There's a lot of ways to express this idea of being passionate about what you do. Look, you don't have to read very far in the New Testament to realize Paul was one passionate individual. His heart was completely, 100%, in what he did for the Lord. He gave his best. He gave his all. He was very zealous, one of the most zealous. How about us? Do we have the element of passion in our service to the Lord? Do we really put our heart in everything that we do? Do we give our best when we serve Jesus? You know, the songwriter asked that question. I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? When he has done so much for me. It's a valid question. Passion. Are you putting passion into your Christian life? Into your Christian service? Is there passion in your Bible reading? Do you open the word and try to meet the Lord there? Is there passion in your prayer life? Do you pray it like you mean it? Are you seeking an answer? Or are you just repeating off some words of a prayer? My friends, tonight, passion makes a big difference. When you and I serve with passion, then it becomes obvious to those who are, who are looking on that we really mean what we say, that we believe what we preach and speak and witness and share. And you know, I believe that it gets God's attention when we serve with our spirit, when we're, when we're passionate about what we do and when we give our best for the Lord. God knows when we really mean it. And when we're just going through the motions. And so let's incorporate this element of passion into our Christian lives. Because we need some a little bit of that passion. We, we need uh, to be fervent and faithful uh, in our life, our living, and our service to the Lord. You know, we should serve in ministry. And we should have passion in that as we do. We should be convincing people who watch us do it. They should, they should know uh, without a doubt that we love the Lord and that we want to serve him. But the same is true when we live our Christian life. We should live the Christian life with passion. It should be obvious that we're sincere and that we mean it, that we serve with our heart and that we serve the Lord, our God. You know, passion is an important element and it does truly make a difference. Whatever your favorite sport is, look around and see how many athletes play with passion? How many of them really put their heart into what they do? How many of them really enjoy uh, the sport? How many of them really give their all out on the field? You know, when they give it all and they, lay, they leave nothing behind, usually those are the ones who are the difference makers on the field or on the court or whatever the case might be. Let's be that for the Lord. Let's be what, what's called an impact player, one who makes a difference every time it's their turn to serve passionately serve the Lord by putting your whole heart into living for Christ and serving him in all that you do. Praise and passion are both very important elements, but it's not just praise and passion. Notice Paul adds one more to that. He says in verse 9, he ends the verse by saying, without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. 
Well, the word prayers is there, but the word always backs it up. It shows that he's consistent in prayer. It shows uh, that he is fervent in prayers. And prayer is the word that we would write for number three. Paul's serving the Lord. He's making a difference because of his praise, because of his passion, and now because of his prayers. And you know, those who are faithful prayer warriors, those are the ones who really get things done for the Lord. Wasn't it John Knox? Uh, people said, I, I fear the prayers of John Knox. You think about that. I wonder, uh, you know, what, what, what really, where do our prayers rank? Where do our prayers rank? How faithful are our prayers? Paul said, I, I make mention of you always in my prayers. In verse 10, he said, making request, if by any means now I might have a prosperous journey to come unto you. So, uh, you know, making requests, putting that into your prayer life. There's a lot of elements that should go into a good prayer life. But, but may I say this, at, at very best, the very basic, we should have a prayer list. We should have our request mentioned and uh, in front of us so that we can be mindful of what we're praying for. Paul was a prayer warrior in his service to the Lord. He obviously prayed about everything. He wasn't just praying about the location of the next church or, or the condition of his new converts. Though if you go through the epistles, you'll find that instead of praying more about physical characteristics of people, Paul prayed for their spiritual well-being. He did that strategically and he did that purposefully. And you can glean from his prayers in the epistles to see how he did that. But notice here, he's praying now about a trip. Not a trip that he's taken, but one that he wants to take. And, and I think that is a, an indicator to us that we too need to be faithful to bathe everything that we do for God in prayer. Pray about it before it ever happens. Pray about it as it's happening. Pray about it after it happens. Let's make the investment of prayer asking God to help us as opportunities come our way, to help us as we conduct ourselves in those opportunities. And then once the service has been rendered and the investment has been made, we faithfully pray afterwards that God would, would bring up the, the harvest, the fruit of that labor, and that God would produce the work that he wants to produce in that opportunity, whatever it might have been. So Paul is praying about everything. He's not just praying for the people but even the, the opportunities that he had to travel and speak. You know, Paul asked in another, uh, in another place in the scriptures to pray for the door of opportunity. Remember that? That he might have utterance uh, to preach the gospel. When we were in Bible college, they said, you always got to be ready to preach, pray, or sing. You know, you got to be ready at the drop of a hat. And then sometimes they said, uh, sometimes you got to be ready to drop your own hat. <laughs> Just to be there in the moment, to, 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 to rise to the occasion. Here we find Paul doing that. He's praying about these opportunities. As a matter of fact, in some cases, he's praying for the opportunity itself. Do we do that? Oh, how we should. If we want to be effective in our Christian service, if we really want to make a difference, then we should be praying about all these things. We should pray about what's coming up. Sometimes we should pray about what we want to come up, those opportunities to present themselves. We should pray before we do anything for the Lord. We should pray as we're doing it, and we should pray after we do it, that God would bless the effort that we put forth. Just like we'd be, uh, just like praying, a farmer would pray over the seed he's already planted, that it would come up. 
We should be praying over the investment we've already made. Whether it be a witness in someone's life that they might come to Christ, or, or maybe, maybe it be in Christian service, some ministry effort uh, that we've done uh, to minister to someone, whether it be encouraging them or, or instructing them, uh, maybe teaching in a classroom or singing in a church service or whatever the case might be. <clears throat> we want God's blessing on everything that we do in the name of the Lord. We get that through prayer. So Paul has this at work in his life. He's busy about it in much prayer. Praise, passion, and now prayer. These are the things that made Paul's ministry stand out among the rest. He's a very zealous individual, greatly used of God. But when we see these elements at work in his life, ah, no wonder he made such a difference. He didn't stop with that. Verse 11, he continued on. There's one more. He said, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Notice, to the end you may be established. You might look at that expression, put brackets or underline right there where he said, to the end. There's a word we would use to replace that expression. It's the word purpose. Paul was never aimless in what he was doing for the Lord. Paul always had a directive. He understood the end of his effort. He wasn't just scattering seed everywhere. He was planting seed on purpose because he expected a crop to come up from that planting, from that seed. Hey, you know what happens if you plant corn, you get corn. If you plant cucumbers, you get cucumbers, right? There's purpose in that. There, there's expectation there. Paul had that same mentality as he served the Lord. He, on purpose, did certain things to get to the end he was expecting. So the idea here is that Paul had a purpose in his visit. He had a purpose in his prayers. He had a purpose in this trip that he was wanting to make. He had a purpose in praying for the lives of these believers and things he was praying for very specifically. So we need to reflect and say, what's my purpose? Do I have a purpose? Do you have a purpose? Do we aim at such a specific end like Paul did? Maybe Paul's ministry made such a powerful difference because he did things very intentionally. They were on purpose to produce certain things. You know, Paul didn't, he wasn't careless with the gospel. He was ready to preach anytime. He was ready to witness to the lost. But you know, he was very tenacious about doing that. He preached to certain people, and they would come to Christ. They would get saved. What a blessing that was. Paul said, I'm doing all of this. I'm praying for you. He said, I'm praising, I'm praying, I'm serving fervently. I'm making requests. All of this is done. He said, it's to the end that you may be established. So Paul knew that after accepting Christ as their Savior and now growing in the Lord, Paul wanted them to be established in the faith. He was working to that end. He had a purpose. You know, you and I need to make sure that we have a purpose. We need to make sure that we know why we do what we do. What are we trying to accomplish? Right? Let's not be aimless in our ministry. Let's not drift and float around with, with, with no target, and no goals, uh, no expected end. Paul here in verse 11 had a very definite end. He had a purpose that he was working toward. He had a goal that he wanted them to reach. And everything that he did was, was to aim and to line up with that goal. 
And he worked very hard to get to that place. How about us? If we do that, then maybe we will be more effective in our service to the Lord as well. You know, some people have the idea that in the Christian life, because we're guided by faith, that we just drift along and we just let the Lord moment by moment lead us. And there's nothing wrong with being led moment by moment. God is certainly able to lead us to that end. But I think there is a part to play for you and I that we would have a little bit of planning, a little bit of strategy, a little bit of effort, that we would, that we would know a little bit of what the end is supposed to be. I like to think with working, uh, just say, for example, with working uh, in witnessing and, and having new Christians coming on board in a church family, that we'd have a little bit of strategy about how to bring them in and how to move them along. Right? The book of Acts helps us with that. We know there are steps to take. We know that their first step would be accepting Christ. And their second step would be following the Lord and believers' baptism. And their third step would be becoming a church member and joining uh, with a family of faith. And the next step would be serving the Lord uh, in their Christian lives. And so we, we have those clear steps. We can, we can help uh, people. We have an end, right? An expected end to help them move toward. And you know, I think all of our Christian service ought to be like that. I think we ought to kind of know where we're going from the beginning, don't you? Paul certainly did. When he wrote to them, he wasn't just throwing out, yeah, I'd like to come see you sometime, with no end in mind. Even for this visit, he had a purpose, and he wanted them to be established. These are great qualities, keys, if you want to consider them that way, to an effective Christian life. Jude said, some have compassion, making a difference. What is it that makes a difference? Well, he was highlighting the aspect of compassion. When we care about others, it makes a difference to them, doesn't it? Because once they know how much you care, then they begin to care how much you know. Then they begin to listen more to what you have to say. And it's not just compassion, because we, we also have to have effort and consistency. There are other elements, but, but there are some elements that just make a difference. I believe these elements in Paul's life made that kind of a difference. It put him over the top as being a Christian worker and influence for the Lord. He had praise, passion, prayer, and now purpose. All of these were at work in his life and in his service. And I think these are the elements that made Paul such a powerful Christian influence for the Lord, such a powerful soldier of the cross, such a powerful personal follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be sure we include these in our life as well. Let's ask the Lord to help us to praise more, to have more passion, to pray more, and to be focused on that purpose, why we do what we do as we serve the Lord. Amen. Let's bow in prayer and ask for his help tonight. Father, how we love you tonight. How we thank you so much for allowing us to glean from those that have gone before us. Here as we looked at the life of the Apostle Paul, Lord, we see certain elements that just made him effective. And we ask, Lord, tonight that you would help us to model those. Help us to learn from his example that we too might be effective in our service. That we might make a difference 
in the lives of others, those that we witness to, those that we come into contact with. Lord, we know that this can only be accomplished with your help through your spirit. Lord, you guiding and governing through our effort is what makes the difference. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.